Luke 24, verse 13 to 35. Now that same day, Two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they didn't see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road 
and opened the scriptures to us. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. See, it's a complicated thing, isn't it? When does it all start to make sense? What we're talking about today is, well, it all makes sense now. It all makes sense now. Dave the donkey gets confused. Well, hang on a second. I carried a king into the city. Well, surely the king is going to be greeted by the rulers and get a crown and sit on a throne. But in fact, no. No, he doesn't. He gets executed, and that doesn't make any sense. If we think about the people who were walking with Jesus, they didn't know it was Jesus, and they're saying, well, we we thought it was all going to turn out this way, but it didn't. And it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. But one of the things we want to tell you today is that because Jesus rose, suddenly all of it makes sense. You see, the Bible had told people that a Messiah, chosen, anointed one, was going to come, and He was going to generate freedom. So people naturally assumed the kind of freedom that they wanted. For some, it was political freedom. For some, it was military freedom. For some, it was freedom from poverty. Now, there's your problem, is it suddenly didn't make any sense because Jesus didn't appear to bring any freedom of any sort, but quite the opposite. And then it all made sense. And this is our problem quite often when we have an expectation of our outcomes, don't we? And quite often it all doesn't make sense. And I wanted to talk a little bit about why it sometimes doesn't make sense. I want to start by saying sometimes what is going on in our lives doesn't make sense because it is dominated by one event. By one event. And we can't make sense because we're only looking at one thing. It's like trying to work out what Arlene is trying to tell you by looking at a mobile with Noddy on it. It absolutely makes no sense. It's a singular event, and in the middle of it, it looks like the woman's lost her mind. What on earth is she doing, standing with a naughty mobile in front of church when it's supposed to be Easter Sunday? Do not be ridiculous. But this is the same as when we try to work out what God's purposes are by looking at one single event. But we do this all the time. Sometimes they're big events. Sometimes they are hurts or losses, disappointments, things that we expected that we didn't get, things that we wanted that didn't materialize, or things that we didn't want to happen that did happen. 
things that should have fallen out one way and didn't. And we try from one event to make sense of the big picture. But we won't make sense of the big picture by looking at one thing only. And if we look at Jesus triumphantly walking into Jerusalem, we'd be excused for expecting a particular outcome. But that's because we are trying to project from one event, and we're not right. That didn't happen. That wasn't what it meant. And there we are. Always that case. So that isn't helpful. The second reason that sometimes things don't make sense when we look at it, and we have talked about it a little bit in this church before, and it is a tremendously disappointing thing for a lot of people, but it's this, that we look at it as though the entire universe revolves around us as the central most important person. Now, I appreciate that you are the central most important person in the entire universe, and that everything that happens, it happens entirely in context to you, or maybe that isn't what happens. Perhaps you are part of a bigger context. Perhaps the isolated events don't make things make sense. And perhaps you as the exclusive and only person on the planet, or me as the only exclusive person on the planet, can't explain what the purpose is, what the plan is. So we lose perspective. It doesn't make sense. Why did that happen? How did that happen? Well, there are other people apart from you. That doesn't make you any less important but it doesn't make you any more important. We are equal as far as God is concerned. One of the big alarms for lots of people is that the Bible never presents hierarchies. The Bible doesn't present hierarchies of people. People, Some people are not more important than other people. Some sins are not more important than other sins. There are no hierarchies. Everything is in context. So it doesn't make sense because we look at things in isolation. It doesn't make sense because we look at it from a perspective that doesn't take everything into account. And finally this, it doesn't make sense because we are not looking at the same end that God is looking at. God has a different end. Just to give you an idea, I don't know about you, something happens, do you do this? Something happens and I just project it out, way out there. I mean, madly out there. So, I'll give you an example. So, for example, someone will say, oh, I'll tell you what, we can go here. So, we're going to visit somewhere. In my head already, the sun is shining. Everybody feels healthy. Everybody's happy. Nothing has gone wrong. Everything costs a very reasonable price. There is nobody irritating there at all in any way. We won't run out of energy. We won't argue on the way home. And we'll all sleep beautifully at the end. I have it all worked out. From one event, I have projected all the way. Do you do that? Is it just me? 
Am I the only one who does that? But the reality is this. It often doesn't. And when it doesn't, guess what? I'm disappointed because I had a plan. And it involved things running perfectly. By the way, perfectly according to my idea of perfectly, by the way. Which meant that, you know, everybody that I encounter is really quiet. Even though the sun is shining and it's a nice day, but they're really quiet. How reasonable is this? We do the same. Often we don't even think about the end. So I'll give you an example. We'll just take some trees down in our garden and we're going to make a space. And I have a plan. (laughs) You can see that this always goes wrong for me. But anyway, I have a plan. By the way, the plan is that everything will work really smoothly. Nothing will be complicated. Everything will be really cheap, by the way, as well. Uh, All of that, I, I know. But when that is ended... This still, life still goes on. It's not actually a complete plan. It's only a part plan. People think, well, I'll move house. I'll change job. I will do this. It's a plan, but it doesn't take you to the end. You change your job. You still get stress. That's the bit you get paid for, by the way. If it was unrelenting fun, you have to pay them. I don't know if you, if you, if you figured this out about work. That's how it goes. But it's not an end plan. It's only a part plan. And we as people, and certainly me, we lurch from part plan to part plan to part plan. We don't see big pictures. We, well, maybe you are, but frankly, I'm just not that clever. I don't manage past the end of my nose half the time. What about you? If I'm honest with you, this week, as far as my planning goes, ends about 11 minutes from now. (laughs) Okay? From a week past last Thursday, everything that I've planned ends about 11 minutes from now. I haven't thought past that. Apparently, there's some dinner coming. Haven't thought about it. I can't see past the end of my nose. How do I know what the big plan is? How can I make that make sense? But we do this all the time. But the good thing is that God doesn't do that. God makes all individual bits work together. God can take into account everybody else without forgetting you. And God sees the end, the big end, from the beginning and has already planned for it. I can't see past the end of my nose, but God can see past the end of time. How amazing is that? And he already knew that as the plan was unfolding, the consequence of my rebellion against God was death, and that wasn't good enough for him. And he loved me enough to change the ending by sending Jesus. And what appeared to be defeat became absolute victory. And all I have to do is sign into that ending. It won't spare me trouble or disappointment. It won't spare me loss. The worst thing of all is it doesn't spare me from me making mistakes and having all sorts of stupid plans that have got no chance of ever being fulfilled but leave me disappointed. That's me. But God has a plan that makes sense. And the wonderful thing about Easter is that you can sign in to that plan. 
You can sign into that plan. Jesus is alive. If Jesus rose from the dead, that means He is alive now and today, and He can change your life. It doesn't change from the obvious circumstances, but it changes in the big picture. All the small things come together, and the big picture and the big ending is what is so exciting. You can join me and millions, no billions of others, in signing in for a plan that puts our lives in the hands of Jesus, who has made everything come together and not just follow our nose. Ladies and gentlemen, when we do that, then it makes sense. So let's pray. We know that you have a perfect plan and that it's generated by love for us. We confess, Lord, that sometimes when our plans don't work out, we think that you've forgotten us or that you're not there or that we're not important enough to consider. But, Lord, we know that we are and that the difficult-to-understand circumstances come together in your perfect plan, plans to do us good, plans to look after us, plans which were made complete when Jesus conquered death, conquered sin, conquered circumstance, and rose to bring to a perfect end a perfect plan. Lord, just encourage us to step into that plan, to put faith in You, to let You lead us, even at times when it doesn't make sense. We just praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.